<laughs> Got a lot of problems with your sermon there, Brad. <laughs> All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome to a little better. Guess what? This is ep- oh my word, that was fire too. I was on fire. <laughs> I told you, put a bobblehead on it. <laughs> All right, Brad won't shut up, so I gotta I just jump in. I'll try right. not to snore. Our goal on this podcast is to know Jesus better and by the power of his spirit, do better. So together we can be a little better. Well, what is up, everybody? Welcome to A Little Better. Guess what? This is episode 92. And this is going to be one for the books because I get to host this thing while I get to grill my buddy Bradley over here. Payback's pretty rough. It is. Beyond the receiving end I can't say here. what payback is, but I can't <laughs> wait to experience it. It's going to be a great episode. Yep. So let's just start with our normal routine. Bradley, give me your sermon. We're in the book of Colossians, week four. Four. Four out of ten. Yep. Four out of ten. Um, mm-hmm. Give me your sermon in, let's do, let's do... 45 seconds. Uh, I have no idea. It'll be what it is. But (laughs) um, yeah, the sermon is basically Paul launches out with do not be taken captive by hostile philosophy. So it's basically we've had all the good news for the first three weeks, but now here comes that opposition and the resistance to the opposition is, well, there's resistance to these bad habits, these bad ideas, these bad influences that are ready to drag us away from the gospel, the resistance is to know your origin story. Mm -hmm. It's just to always go back to the truth of the gospel. And Paul breaks out that gospel as he cut out our cancer. We're talking about circumcision there, that we get a new heart, we get the bad stuff cut out. He canceled our debt, so we're guilty. We've got all this sin. We sign that written confession. It gets nailed to the cross, and he conquered our demons. So all these things are coming after us at the beginning of the text. Mm -hmm. By the time we get to the end of the text, Christ is chasing them. Christ is taking them captive. So anything that is threatening your origin story, threatening the happy ending, Christ will take care of. So was that, I have no idea. Was that 30 seconds? Yeah, it felt like a minute and a half probably, but we, we'll give it to you, right? We'll give you <laughs> 10 points for that one. Um, once you get negative points, we're going to have to cut this thing off. But let's before we dive into your message, okay, we're four weeks into Colossians. What has stood out to you about Paul's letter to Colossae? Like what is, you know, obviously we're not even in the third chapter yet. You know, you did two, eight through 15. You know, we're, we talked about this book for four weeks. Anything that just like has grabbed your heart, anything that has caught you as you've studied, as you've listened? Well, I think um, Nate Miller kicked it off in such an incredible way. We're saying Christ is the fullness of God. He's the full expression of God. He is God. And therefore, we need to be full of him. Mm. So I that has, that has been so helpful to me, just reading through the whole letter, because now I can see that unpacked in every way. And that really did get repeated in this yeah. text, you know, and, uh, but... And I'm also just moved by the fact that the lies are always changing, but that's not Paul's concern. It's, you know, his concern is for the truth. And, I mean, I... And, and for me, that whole study on circumcision was big because I kind of have always blasted past that. I haven't thought about it too much. But really to see that circumcision is God's surgery on our hearts, yeah. that was really powerful to me. And just the fact that, yes, 
I someday I'm going to get a heart that is impossible to, mm. you know, to displease God, that everything it wants is yeah. good. You're jumping the gun a little bit. I'm sorry. Me. It's fine. It's cool. Going out of order um, here. Got to rein I've, me in. You know, I've been constantly thinking, I think maybe this is, it it's, was last week, so it's fresh. It's just this idea of for or with that Noah talked about. Like, oh, yeah. Am I doing things for God, but neglecting mm-hmm. to do it with him? I think mm-hmm. I've just been like, that's been like pondering and sitting in my head of like, man, I want to, I want to walk with God. I want to be with God and I want to mm-hmm. do things at, for God but with God. So it's been a great series so far. Mm-hmm. So let's kind of dive de- deep into the meat of your message. And let's mm-hmm. start really where Paul does. He, ta- he talks about opposition, right? Right, hollow so, and deceptive philosophies. Yeah, so I yeah. want to talk about this twofold. I mm-hmm. want to talk about the things he was talking about, right. the things that scholars say that the church in Colossae were facing, the opposition, the false right. teaching. Right. What do you think those were in Paul's day? And then I want to talk about what we think are maybe those in our day. Yeah, that's a good one. So uh, I do think that weeks four and weeks five, me this week, um, Jeremy next week, is parts A and B yeah. of these oppositions. So what I was talking about you know, this time was Paul was concerned about what those things were coming at him from culture, coming at him from outside the church. Jeremy's going to look a little bit more, I think, on the inside. But what was Paul facing at the time? I mean, I, I think I said, Nasta what? You know, at some <laughs> point, you know, in the sermon there, because if you read many commentaries, they are going to start talking about Gnosticism. And uh, now I think if you also read them carefully, they'll say Gnosticism is something that fully developed a little bit later. So sure. it's kind of like a proto-Gnosticism. Yep. But the idea, some of the ideas with Gnosticism were it's basically around knowledge. Mm. That, you know what, all we need is to know mm. the truth. And that's good enough, right? And maybe it's a secret truth. I think the Gnostics talked about that. But just if I just know the truth, I'm good. Mm. And I do think that we still face that challenge today where people just say, oh, sure, I believe the Bible. I believe Christ. Oh, I prayed a prayer. I did, you know, I'm good. I don't disagree with anything, but there's no change in their life. There's no circumcision of the heart, right? There's no transformation. So Gnosticism, Mm. um, and they also had kind of a... um, they disparaged the material world. So what that meant was there was some challenges to the incarnation of Christ, Mm -hmm. that he was really fully... So Paul's being kind of scandalous to say Christ is the full expression of God because how could divine you know, be in a physical yeah. body. Yep. But uh, I don't know. You're quite the scholar yourself. What other backgrounds, you know, that... Uh, I mean, know, I think Gnosticism was the the one that Paul was really, really going after. Um, and yeah, knowledge, right? Like right. this idea of knowledge was the key. And I, I, I think, you know, I don't know if that's a primary thing that affects us today, but I think it's still subtle in our in 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 churches today where we know so much that we we feel that our knowledge makes us feel okay. Yeah, and I think there's two places for that, right? I mentioned that just for people in our churches might think, "Oh, I'm good. I know the mm-hmm. right things." But it can also infect preachers, I think. Yeah. I think when we're we get a little bit um preoccupied with intellectual you know, stimulation, you yeah. know, just saying the clever things, saying the interesting yeah. things, say, oh, here's this historical fact, or here's this philosophical insight, or whatever else, and it suddenly becomes very clinical, very sterile, very... Yeah. One outside. thing I hear is a, as a, a, a preacher or teacher is like, I want to learn something 
new. Like the desire is sometimes to just like tickle that fancy in your head of like, oh, I didn't know that about the Bible. And we often neglect the things that we do know. We're not even doing them at the expense of trying to learn something new. Um, and so knowledge can be like a very, like, I think the Pharisees were that way, right? They, at some level slipped into Gnosticism where they were just puffed up with knowledge, right? They knew they, but they, they still missed it. Right. Yeah. I'm pretty confident they knew more than I do, you know, about the old Testament, about the scriptures. They, that was not what they lacked. So what do you think? Okay. Let's, let's just fast forward, you know, 2000 years. Um, here we are today and Paul, that warning that Paul gives Colossae is true for us. What would you warn, if you were speaking as Paul, you were writing a letter to the church of Northridge, what would your warning be against, maybe not Gnosticism, but what would it be? Yeah, I think there's a number of narratives that compete with the gospel today. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, what do... What is it that we grow up with? What are those bad ideas that we get infected with? I think, for one, one is just um, science. I think we live in an age where we think science will solve everything, Mm. where technology is amazing. And so we will, everything needs to be turned into a craft. So you're either a, you know, a therapist or a business leader or what, we're going to solve all this, right? You know, so there's this kind of science, you know, and technology, uh, which takes us away. But there's also what's huge just seems is the whole idea of identity, Mm. Um, and I, I alluded to that. That's why it made its way into the sermon was that I do think that today we're just told you need to do you, you mm. need to define you, you need to find, you know, to find that job that just said, this is what God made me to do, or whether it's sexual orientation or gender or um, just any sort of, you know, you get to choose who mm. you are. You get to choose what the meaning you know, and purpose of your life is. And I think, I, I don't know when that's going to burn out. To yeah. me, it just seems unsustainable. Well, it's interesting too, because you talk a lot in your message about origin stories. And really what you're talking about is where people find their origin of who they are, their identity. And it's, I think it's wise of the enemy to attack that because if he changes the narrative of your identity, it changes everything else on who you are and who you become. And I think we see this tremendous, this idea. We even actually did a series this year, Who Am I, right, on this topic of like how so many people today are looking within. You know, it used to be people looked for something greater, something bigger, a God, right, a deity to discover who they are. And now in our culture that is shifting to, no, the only person who can tell me who I am and who I should be is me. Right. We're seeing something very current. You know, it's moving very fast, but we can see, I think quite some time ago where it began with, you know, we're going to define truth for ourselves, Mm. even to say, I think, therefore I am, you know, there's that old philosophical, it almost makes the universe revolve around you. It's all about our perception, our idea, what we can intuit, what we can observe, what we can deduce. But that search for truth got unhinged from um, scriptural authority, you know, quite a time, long time ago. But there's other, you know, Lots of people throughout history, they've had different sacred texts or different authorities, yep. you know, wrong authorities, but still they trusted some, they received it yep. from someone else. Here, 
we're winging it. We're making it up on our own. And the result of that is we make the Bible say what we want right. rather than what it actually says. Yes. Right? And I think we've seen that in our culture where people, they, they find their identity themselves and then they use the Bible to justify that identity by trying to make it say something that it doesn't actually yeah, say. That's always the danger of proof texting. You yep. know, you're always, I don't care what position you have, you'll, you can find a verse to support it if you rip it out of context. Right. Yep. So if we talk about origin story, really the Bible is a story. Yeah. And you think about how different that is than like some other sacred texts, you know, you know, too. It's not this is not um a philosoph it's not a textbook, right? It's a story. That's right. It's a story with people and and it's this whole it starts in Genesis and ends in Revelation where it's if I gave the Bible a title, I would give it the title of the promise, right? Mm. God makes this promise. Is he going to be able to fulfill it? Yeah. And we see the whole arc of history through Christ and Christ and the cross and to the end. But I think the defense, mm. you know, against twisting the Bible, you know, just to yep. meet our own agenda to make us feel good about what we do is you've got to know the whole story. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's, let's dive even deeper, right? So Paul gives this like warning, right? Like, Hey, be on alert. Uh, don't be taken captive. Um, and I think the purpose of that is because what he was getting to next, he knew there would be opposition in people's lives to get to the gospel. Right. And I love where he ends. And so I want to talk about basically a couple things that you did in, in your message. I want to start with like Paul in his transition talks a lot about circumcision. Yeah, it was a little surprising to me when I got there to see it mentioned four times. <laughs> you know, it's just like, well, he's pretty preoccupied with it. And um, yeah, and it's he's he's teaching about it positively, which is interesting right. because there's other places he talks about it very negatively. And I suppose we need to back up to the beginning to yeah. see where it came from to begin with. It came from the Mosaic. <clears throat> well, wait a minute. How far did it, it was pre I, I think with it was, Abraham? I think it's pre-Mosaic law. Pre-Mosaic law. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. But where Paul gets upset is Okay, so, and basically it came, circumcision came as a sign of the covenant community. Yes. So it basically- Covenant between God yes. and, and his chosen people. His chosen people. So someone would get circumcised as a mark of mm -hmm. I follow God. Right. That might happen because you were Jewish and you were born in a Jewish family and your your parents as good Jews yep. consecrated you, you know, that you and, and there was circumcision, but it might be that you joined- the yep. people of God. And Could as you, you came in, you would get circumcision to mm -hmm. baptism today. Well, that's an interesting topic because you're going to get very different answers between maybe some more Reformed Presbyterian kind of view yes. versus Baptist kind of view. I but, just think for But I like, do think it's similar in terms of it's a mark. Yes. It's a mark Simple of the community. understanding of, like, baptism today is a symbol of my faith in Christ. Like, it's the outward display of an inward change. And circumcision was that mark, that symbol of I have, I am following God. I, I am a Jewish person, right? Okay, let's continue. Right. So it's a mark. It's a symbol. It would be wrong to say it saves us, yes. right? It's yep. basically just, hey, I, I, it's God is the one who's making and keeping the promises. Yes. This is just a sign, symbol, yep. you know, you know, a symbol of that process. And then we see it, um, you know, and Moses himself says 
circumcise your hearts. Yeah. Right? Yep. So we know that it's pointing to something else. Yeah. Jeremiah also says, I didn't include that, but Jeremiah 4.4, 4, I think, says, circumcise your hearts. Mm-hmm. And Ezekiel 36.26 says, we, someday we're going to get a new heart. Mm. You know, so it's really... It's, it's this picture of a reality that then gets fulfilled in Christ. Yeah. So Paul says, don't fixate on the physical circumcision uh, for a couple of reasons. One, it's pointing to the reality that's in Christ. Christ came to change our yes. hearts, but also it's locking you in to that Old mm. Testament law. It's, mm. you know, Paul will elsewhere say, you know, if you're going to sign on for circumcision, you're going to have to sign on for the whole, you're going to have to try to keep the whole law. And yeah. that's what Christ freed us from. Yeah, Not fulfilled. the moral law, but the ceremonial law. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So now let's get into the, the good news, right? The great news, the amazing news of the gospel. I love the, the picture you gave us of the the life of Bradley Files sitting before a police officer and being basically interrogated on your all your sins, but then the exchange right of you take Christ's life and he wears your your life. Talk to me about that. You know, is it uh, this is the most random thought that's just you know you know put into my head, but that it's such a compelling story. We see it in other places, like I believe it's um, the story of the man in the iron mask, where uh, you know there's a point where these these twin brothers, right? Mm-hmm. The, and and at one point they get swapped, yeah. And so one you know one is locked away in the prison, and the other one gets to go free. But but it's so compelling to think of this story where you know this our sin is so. St- is taken so seriously. It's not dismissed. It has to be dealt with. It has to be judged. And God's wrath does come down on it. But um, but at the last moment, you know, Jesus steps in and says, I'll take this, mm. you know, and and we we swap yeah. identities, you know, and and Christ goes to the cross with my sin, but I get his righteousness. And when God see when God saw Christ on the cross. He saw sin. Mm. I mean, Jesus was in genuine torture and pain. Mm. And the greatest torture was that he was separated from his father. His father's wrath was pouring down on him. That's what I deserve. That's what Mm. I should have been experiencing. And then the flip side of it is here, I've got his righteousness under the cover of Mm. Bradley Files. When God looks at me, he genuinely loves me. He genuinely accepts me. I get to be in his presence. Yeah, I think two things that really like stood out to me in in your message that hit me hard is one, I can never lose the awe of the gospel and what Christ did for me. Like that was just moving to me. Like, you know, I've seen that illustration before, but it's just so powerful that like literally God took my garbage and gave me his righteousness. And a reminder to me, you know, I think we live in a culture that feels so insecure, that doubts themselves, that looks at their life and feels worthless, you know, but to remind yourself, if you're in Christ, when God sees you, he sees Christ's righteousness, right? Like, that's hard for me to fathom. And so how, how, what would you suggest, like, what are some practical steps that we can remind ourselves of that, um, to remind ourselves of the gospel, to never lose the awe of the gospel? Yeah, I think that 
it's a challenge because you're right. I mean, we need to preach the gospel to ourselves every day. You know, for the rest of us, we'll never fully appreciate it. It's always in danger of getting stale on us. Mm. So I do think in one hand, let's apply some creativity, you mm. know, so let's just like find a different way to see it. So maybe that was different for people to see the books and the exchange and, you know, that put up there. Um, maybe it's, um, you know, so you're always trying to th find fresh ways of seeing things. Um, I think Tim Keller talks about light and heat. You know, the light is the truth of what we hear, but we need the heat. We need yeah. to feel it. And sometimes emotionally, it has to come at us at a different angle. So creativity plays a role there. The other thing I would say is I would soak myself in the Gospels. Mm -hmm. I would read yeah. the Gospels and read them understanding. We know what the we know how it turns out. We know what the ultimate end is. But then just seeing the confusion, seeing the... The opposition, seeing the perseverance of Jesus's loves for people like me, mm. you know, who just don't get it. Uh, but, but to, you know, to be in the gospel, but I would also, and then I would just expand it. We need to know the story of the Bible and yeah. I think sharing it too, right? Like one thing that always re reinvigorates my heart for the gospel is seeing someone experience it for the first oh time. Oh my goodness, yeah. You know, to see the gospel through their eyes, through like the fire, They're like, wow, God did that for me and I want that so badly. Well, there was blindness up to that point, right? Yeah. There's confusion up yeah. to that point. And that's the thing that excites me is because I've been talking to Scott about it. We've had, you know, summer groups and there was new people showing up. There's so many people. 2023 is their first year at Northridge yeah. Church. And so many of them are coming in just saying, help me understand the mm. gospel. So it is, that motivated me as I prepared, yeah. you know, that message is I just know there's people out there, mm. you know, for whom, you know, by the grace of God and the Holy Spirit, this is the time it's going to click for them. But yeah. yes, thank you for that reminder. We all get to do that, you know, sharing our mm. origin stories. Yeah. What a powerful reminder. The gospel should never grow stale to us. Mm -hmm. We should always feel the weight and the power of the gospel. Well, hey, thanks for joining us at A Little Better. Um, we're excited that you tuned in. And if we can help in any way, let us know. Um, again, thanks for joining in and we'll be back next week. Mm -hmm.